Coffee drinkers rejoice. The American cafe chain Panera Bread has rolled out a monthly unlimited coffee subscription program for under $10. Meanwhile, Amazon Go has just opened its first checkout free grocery store. And this just in, Target is betting big on small format. We've got the scoop and more on today's episode. It's Monday, March 9th, and this is your Retail Rundown. Today, we're joined by Sanford Stein and Bob Phibbs. Sandy is the founder and moderator of Retail Speak on LinkedIn. He's the author of Retail Schmetail and regular contributor at Forbes. He is also a Rethink Retail advisor. Bob, also known as the Retail Doctor, is an internationally recognized business strategist, speaker, and brick and mortar expert. They are both joining me today. Thank you, Bob and Sandy, for coming on the show. Great to be here. Thanks for the invite, Julia. Absolutely. So today, we, we always go over three topics. These are all retailers we're focusing on today. The first one we'll touch on is Panera Bread. They're hopping on the subscription bandwagon. So for our listeners across the pond, Panera Bread is an American chain store of bakery, cafe, fast casual restaurants owned by the Netherlands-based Jab Holdings Company. And they have over 2,000 locations there across U.S. and Canada. So Panera's new coffee subscription program, it allows you to purchase unlimited beverages, coffee or hot tea, every two hours, and it is $8.99 per month, so just under $9. They're rolling out the program nationwide after a very successful pilot, and the subscription plan is going to be rolled out to Nashville, Raleigh, Cleveland, and Columbus. So the pilot, they're reporting a 200% increase in frequency of visits, along with a 70% increase in food purchases and a very high renewal rate of 90 to 95%. What we don't know is what those percentages are based on. So I will point that out. But first, I'll pass it to Bob. Does a coffee subscription program have a long-term potential? Yes or no? No. And I was a CMO of a coffee franchise. We built uh, It's a Grind Coffee. If you ever saw Showtime's Weeds, we were the coffee house uh, that Mary Louise Parker was drinking out of. And try explaining that to your franchisees, that it's great that a mom is selling pot with your brand. But, um, you know, coffee business is an addict business. You know, they're there all the time. And your favorite is still going to be Starbucks or McDonald's or Dunkin'. And you like it because of that. A lot of brands have tried this before and it's a big scoop for maybe six months, but executing it and holding on to it just doesn't seem to ever drive sales. So to your point, I'd be curious to see what this was based on before. And quite simply, most of America, I think it's something like 80% of America drinks coffee before 10 a.m. You know, it's not a big output for them if they come in in the afternoon. So I'm curious to see what Sandy says. Um, I'll take issue. Uh, (laughs) I think there's a chance that it could work. I think that particularly getting into uh, if we're on an economic downslide, if a recession is hitting those people that are thinking that I'm spending $5 a day at Starbucks, I can get a 30 cent cup of coffee and turn that $5 into my breakfast. Mm -hmm. Does it work long term uh, is a good question. Could they actually get a bump short term? I'm thinking it's probably it could be yes. 
I think their big objective here is to build breakfast. And I think that if people begin to see the opportunity of getting a free cup of coffee and having a bagel or whatever else at the same time, it could potentially change behavior for some people. Yeah, I still don't buy it because it still uh, <laughs> has the asterisk like, you know, only if you're getting drip coffee. And again, is this a value play because people don't have money? If people don't have money, they're not going to Panera Bread. That's true. It's confusing to me to just figure out who this is and then also being at the front line when they're like, oh, well, you know, espresso drinks aren't included. Well, that's what Starbucks sells. Oh, you know, cold brew and iced tea and other beverages, they're not including your subscription either. It just mm -hmm. seems like there's going to be a lot of executional misses, which are going to doom this program from the start. So we should talk in six months and see how this works, Julia and Sandy. Interesting. I will add, there's been a lot of hype around this uh, online. And I think people, some people are excited, but maybe not everyone knows there's limitations that you can't get the espresso or the cold brew that I see. Personally, I love cold brew, so I probably wouldn't opt into this program unless that was included. And I also think it depends on the market. It's probably not going to be very sticky where it's it's a commuter city and you don't walk to a Panera on your way to work. Or I, I think there's areas where, where it might be sticky, but in general, I don't see it working for a national rollout. There you go. Cool. So we have we have a yes and a no, and I guess I'm in the middle, but I'm more towards um, pockets where it might I work. I won you I over. Think, you know it. I won you uh, over. Well, I think that Sandy made a good point, too, about, you know, $5 for a cup of coffee at Starbucks. But again, it, there is a different um, level when you're talking about Starbucks coffee with You're not going to Starbucks because of the money. <laughs> no. Hello. No. I mean, no. And, and that's where the money is that would rather, in the espresso yeah. beverages. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, that that's okay. I'd say there's some people that would uh, give up breathing rather than uh, <laughs> not getting their Starbucks. So you're not going to change their habits. Absolutely not. I know a lot of Starbucks addicts out there. So that's true. So it sounds like we have a good debate, healthy debate there. The second retailer we will cover today is Amazon. Amazon is moving full speed ahead with its vision for a friction-free future. The retailer opened the doors to its first grocery store last month, giving the public a first look at its new Amazon Go grocery store. It's located in Seattle, Washington. The store combines a full selection of traditional grocery store items with the checkout-free technology popularized by its smaller format Amazon Go locations. The new store also has an assortment of private label selections like Happy Belly dairy products and single cow fresh meat, as well as fresh bakery items. Sandy, I'd like to pass this to you first. Is this a smart strategy and will this become the industry standard or what's your take? You know, I take a pretty um, cautious look at this. I think it's a lot of good PR for Amazon. I think that Amazon Go has been a great PR for Amazon. I think the technology is very expensive. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that the idea that they're either going to scale Amazon Go, which they, going back to the original announcement in about 2017, they were predicting they would have two to 3,000 stores and there are 25 to date. I think that the technology is very interesting. They're not alone. There are about five other players that are creating and offering 
offering the same cashierless technology to retailers. The other thing that bothers me about the con- I think it's cool, <laughs> you know, and I and I and I get it, but I think that there's a lot of packaging involved. It's extremely labor intensive to prepare all of these products that ultimately have to be stocked very carefully within the stores. So the illusion that this is a labor-saving undertaking is more illusion. It does save time for the consumer that's coming in and, uh, you know, grabbing and go. I question as to whether or not it is meant for a larger format like this Seattle Capitol Hill neighborhood that the first one is open. It will get a lot of press. There will be a lot of people talking about it. I don't see this rolling out to uh, big multiples anytime soon. Bob, do you want to jump in? Do you agree it's it's not going to be picked up too quickly with other grocery chains? Well, let's separate the technology from this. Amazon still hasn't figured out brick and mortar retail. Sorry, newsflash. No. <laughs> They're great online, but Whole Foods is not as good as it used to be. And they certainly didn't prove it with the, to your point, Sandy, they're going to open all the Amazon Go stores. Oh, whoops, we're opening a fraction of those. And Mm -hmm. uh, most grocers would say, what the hell is the shrink on this? Because most stop Mm -hmm. self-checkout for a lot of reasons. And the question I have, if I was to go into this, am I on the schedule today? I'm supposed to bag my stuff and ring it up. I don't want to do that. That's not my job. So maybe some people will find that that's great. Maybe they'll enjoy their free Panera coffee next door for for 30 cents a cup. But at the end of the day, Amazon gets press because they try things. And yes, that's good. But the reality of shrink and some of the other things, look, they're going to try to sell this technology to other people. And Mm -hmm. other people are also figuring out that to put a million dollars worth of technology into a store just doesn't make sense. So I am not one of those saying, if Amazon does it, it must be perfect. I say Amazon gets a lot of reach. They get an awful lot of pixels. But at the end of the day, drones and a lot of other things that they have said were going to be ubiquitous within their retail empire just haven't proved out. So again, I get it. Maybe I'm a millennial and I want to go bag my own stuff and use the app. But at some point, groceries shouldn't be about me figuring out how to do stuff. It should be me buying impulse items. And if I'm going to be working off my phone the whole time, uh, I'm probably looking down, not up to the private label items. So I think there's a lot that is unclear about this test. And I doubt we'll ever find the true uh, story behind it as they go through it. It'll just end up being absorbed into something else or sold or whatever. It is fair to say that 7-Eleven is looking at this and they're doing a test store as well. I think that if we watch what they do, you'll get much a better read on the profitability and the cost benefit of the whole idea because they're not going to roll out if they're not making money. Amazon you know, loses money every day and stuff like this just because they can. So I think the truth will be told to the degree that 7-Eleven actually moves ahead with more than just a test store. Mm-hmm. And to the point about cost, it's I read somewhere online, it was reported that the Amazon Go convenience format was at least $1 million to implement. And 
the grocery store format they rolled out is three times the size of that. So it is a large investment that would take a while to recoup. And I'm not sure if the format is right for grocery. I think it's definitely something convenience stores should be doing. Yeah, I agree with that. There could be a space in their smaller Amazon Go stores where you're dealing strictly with snacks and take and run and eat kind of things uh, that justifies a, you know, a 500 square foot investment in a very dense urban area where you can get a return on it. But I, I can't see the economics working uh, in a 10,000 square foot grocery store. Mm-hmm. Well, good points. I think we're all three hesitant on the Amazon Go grocery. And to Bob's point, they do get a lot of press because they try new things. So The last retailer we'll cover is Target. So they are betting big on small format. During last week's quarterly earnings call, Target CEO Brian Cornwell announced the big box retailer plans to open more of its small format stores as well as test out new C-store sized formats. Last year, Target opened its 100th small format store, and this year they have 36 more planned openings. They expect to sign the first lease of its C-store size store, approximately 6,000 square feet, later this year. Target's COO John Mulligan says the pint-sized stores will offer the categories guests want from Target, like beauty, home, and -and grab-and-go food, as well as operate as mobile pickup locations. So I'd like to pass this to Bob first. Does a C-store size format make sense for the Target brand? I think people still underestimate Target. I think Target certainly understands exactly how to deliver at scale. I think their supply chain is up to snuff. I think their renewed focus, just like Walmart built 200 training centers a couple of years ago, and they are reaping the benefits. I think Target did the same thing to their stores. And they certainly understand that having a variety of ways that people can buy from you, as long as they can execute well, really grows the brand. I don't think Amazon can do this with Whole Foods. You know, I would just had to go back to the grocery thing for a second because I was thinking <laughs> of a concept called Fresh and Easy, I think it was. It was around probably 15 years ago. And the whole idea was they were going to have this curated private label and everything, and you were going to do all the work. And they went out pretty quickly. So Because it wasn't easy. <laughs> yeah, because I, I kept trying to rack my brain like, what was the name of that place? <laughs> anyway, so I think that they get it. I think also that every retailer understands if I know what's in the basket, then I can sell all kinds of other things. So if I know that certain types of food, I know you got kids, I know got someone sick, I know someone has special needs, whatever it's going to be, the more data points they can pull into the universe, the more that they can really uh, put their arms figuratively around that consumer. And I think, again, at a much better scale than uh, Amazon can do. So I don't see anything that's a downsize for this at all. Mm -hmm. Sandy? I would agree wholeheartedly with Bob. I think being uh, from Minneapolis and following Target very, very closely for decades, they have clearly got their act together. I think that they've demonstrated clearly with uh, 100 stores, uh, the 100 small format stores, which range in the area of about 12,000 to about 40,000 square feet, that those 
stores um, in more dense urban areas and college campuses have been hugely successful for them. Mm -hmm. They're generating a greater dollar per square foot. They have more flexibility in terms of real estate. They can manage their product uh, variety to a neighborhood, to a city, Mm -hmm. to very highly curated demographic and have the wherewithal of doing all of the things that Target does well, including seasonality, including special things that are going on in in a given uh, market. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what the uh, super small store does offer. I think it's going to be uh, a greater variety of goods than what we commonly refer or commonly think of when we talk about a convenience store. Uh, I think 7-Eleven, which is mostly, you know, food and snacks and uh, Target will do a 6,000 square foot store that literally will be a shrunk target and it will have a little bit of marketplace grocery in it, but it will predominantly be their mixture of hard goods of soft goods and uh, the things that will resonate with the population in these urban or um, college campus areas. Mm -hmm. And I will say, um, Bob, you noted that it's maybe underestimated Target. And they Walmart is 20 times the size of Target in terms of revenue. So they are a smaller player. But with their small format stores, they just surpassed $1 billion in annual sales. So is this something Walmart should learn from? Because I know their brands are different. Target is more premium. You're more likely to buy certain types of items from Target than Walmart but should Walmart be following in their footsteps? Well, Mar- Walmart tried this and then they closed them down. Mm-hmm. So I think they realized this isn't our market. And I think one of the things we're noticing about Walmart is they're willing to throw stuff at the wall and see if it sticks. And if it doesn't, they're getting out of it pretty quickly and moving on. So again, I would go back to the idea that Target understands it and they are willing to place the bets that they have enough data points now, I would ex- certainly, I, I could certainly see Target could end up being a 7-Eleven if they wanted to. They could, because they've got this convenient, let's face it, Target is a millennials department store. And so <laughs> they can leverage that. Whereas Macy's going smaller, you're like, what is that? Like Macy's et? What is that? <laughs> um, Target can get away with it. And because the promise is that they're going to have what you need. And with their localized assortments, I think there's no reason to believe that they can't excel at this. Mm -hmm. And I loved, Sandy, your points about the different assortments that Target's able to offer and add in neighborhood goods and local things. So really good points from both of you. Thank you for joining the rundown. I always love having you both on the show. It's great to hear from you. Always great great. to be here. Thanks very much for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. That's this week's Retail Rundown. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. That's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. Follow us on Twitter at rethink underscore retail and show some love by subscribing, reviewing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time.